Today's episode of The Beat is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Welcome back to another episode of The Beat, a special episode. Every episode now is special, I think, Brendan, right? In the uh, current climate, I I, I am uh, Nick Baumgartner, of course, with Brendan Quinn. We are in Ann Arbor in separate locations, and we are joined today by someone from Israel uh, in a live location, Stu Douglas, great, great friend of the show, who's first time on the show. I think Stu was on my old Free Press show once. Uh, from Israel. So this is his second uh, podcast with me, but first with Brendan. Stu, how are we doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. You had somebody from Israel before? Not on this show, I don't think. <laughs> this is the first international yeah. guest, period. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is a special case. We are going global. Yeah, yeah we're global uh, here today. Uh, and of course, Stu, um, in a unique situation, of course, everyone that uh, listens to the show remembers Stu from his days, uh, of course, playing with Michigan. Um but, you know, funny story before we get into it, I guess. Stu, I mean, are you starting to realize how old you're getting? Because I thought about it last <laughs> night. And um, when I first met Stu, Brennan, I was in my 20s. Like, no kidding. I was in my 20s, and Stu was a senior in college. This is when I first met Stu. We are, like, all just getting way too old at this point. Anyone else? Am I the only one here? No, no, no. In my 20s. That feels like 100 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I just turned 30 today, yeah. so I feel... <laughs> wow, <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. Wow. Kind of, I guess. That wasn't... I don't know. I don't know how I feel yeah. about it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're there, if, if no one is there to celebrate your birthday, did that birthday actually happen? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. According yeah, to my no. mom, it definitely hasn't because she can't give me anything, so it's postponed for now. <laughs> so well, that's what we let's, want to... Go ahead. Yeah, let's, I mean, let's start with the... Just give folks... An update, let everyone know you are safe and sound, and everyone is uh, wanting to know everyone's circumstances, so uh, you look good. I see, are you just wearing your own jersey right now, No, by the way? this is actually a Pacers <laughs> okay. practice jersey. Pacers. All right, okay, very yeah. good. I was about to say, you're really uh, you're really missing the game if you're just sitting there wearing your own jersey. Pacers, <laughs> no, no. I'm not sure uh, I love basketball that much, at least. That, that time might have passed by a little bit ago, but... Uh, yeah, safe and sound. Um, right now we're on a pretty strict quarantine. We can't go out past 100 meters of our apartment. I got stopped by a cop a couple of days ago. I went on a little too long of a walk. but uh, So now I'm taking that a little more seriously. But it's not been too bad here. I mean, Israel's been pretty strict. Um, and for what I can understand, have it as much under control as it possibly can. But again, I don't know Hebrew. I don't watch the Israeli news, so I'm not... 100% tuned into what's going on, but uh, yeah, I mean, as the days go by, it looks better for me here than it does for me returning home, even though I'm hmm. dying to get home, so we'll see. What what, what do you kind of see when you're on a walk? Um, everyone has their different, you know, our, our audience is pretty spread out across the country. Everyone has different circumstances. Nick and I are obviously in Ann Arbor, which is like locked down tumbleweeds down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go on a walk right now, uh, what do you actually see? It's that now. It is definitely that mm-hmm. now. I mean, I'm like, I don't know, half a mile from the beach. So for like the first week of uh, um, our league being suspended, so like starting two weeks ago, you could go on the beach. There are some people there. You could keep your distance, but walk on the beach, get some sun. And then one day I went on a walk and it was, you know, tumbleweeds down the street. And I was a little confused. So about, you know. 900 meters way too far out from the restriction. I looked on my phone and, oh, I should have been close to my apartment. I should not be walking. And luckily, no cop was around to actually give me a ticket that time. Um, but, yeah, so you look around and, you know, there's a quarter store across the street from me I'll go to. You can see some people kind of walking around the apartments. But it's, for the most part, uh, not, many too, not too many people are out. Hmm. And so – the league, you know, so some European leagues have canceled, right? And yours mm-hmm. is 
just suspended currently. Yeah, yeah, ours is just suspended. So, yeah. yeah, so and and you don't and and you're not really getting updates on you know necessarily you know what the situation is. is that the situation right now for you is that they're not really giving you updates on maybe what you can and can't do in terms of whether or not you can go home or whether or not you have to stay yeah so it's kind of been on a team by team basis because right now under suspension everything's kind of in a big time gray area so we had a meeting and they told us face to face they could go home right they would buy us tickets mm-hmm. uh they were round trip yeah. tickets um, my agent was like, nah, it's not good enough. You need to get that permission in writing. So I stayed basically right. every other foreigner on our team went home and yeah. So now there's rumors coming out that other leagues are going, not going to pay their guys that went home because they mm-hmm. quote unquote breach contract, even though verbally they were told they could go home. And, you know, I've been dealing with this and with Israel for enough years now. My agent's been doing this. He's an Israeli guy. Uh, he understands the league and how these teams operate and how they want to save money. So we were we were just not going to mess around with that and just go home just because I wanted to go home. Like I, I would like to yeah. see my money. That's a, it's a, you know, I'm not trying to give that up right now when you don't even know what's going to happen in the next five months, if, even, if the league's even going to start next year. And so, so yeah, we're just trying to secure that right now. So what, what have you been so what have you been doing then? I mean, like, what? I mean, I mean, it's an easy question, right? But yeah. I mean, like, I know, like, I saw you tweet the other day that you know it was, it was like I got one wine glass deep, and I'm like, I'm already missing the family and everything else. I mean, it's been, I know for you, the season's a long season. You're over there for a long time. I know you come home right around this time of year anyway, right? Like normally, yeah. So like, what what have you been doing to sort of occupy your time or, or just you know sort of get through the days? It's funny because. When I get over here, it gets so easy to get to like lose connections with friends and family and, you know, usually seven hour difference and time just doesn't usually add up. You throw some text messages out here and there. And now I'm talking to friends and family more than ever before. It's really nice. <laughs> and it's really nice. It makes yeah. me miss home a little bit too much, but um, it's mm-hmm. good to get that connection. And yeah, I mean, it's funny when you sit at home and you have all this time and how much you have to force yourself to work out and do Mm. stuff besides laying on the couch. I mean, I just lost track of time before this. I I was supposed to work out. And I was like, oh, crap, we have an hour before we have this podcast. And I was supposed to work out. So I got about half of it in. I'm about to do half of it when we finish here. I don't know. Time is just, it doesn't really exist right now. So it's kind of hard to explain, really. it is funny using this as like an excuse to reconnect with people that you haven't spoken to in all these, Mm. all this time. And, you know, making phone calls being like hey remember when we used to talk all the time well oh yeah three years passed but let's reconnect I'm right like, now. i'm like commenting on people's instagram stories i haven't talked to in years just like well and then afterwards you're like that kind of that could have been weird maybe but whatever i'm just dying for you to connect so to take it as, uh, as yeah as somebody put it to me the other day that this feels like the time in between uh, Christmas and New Year's perpetually forever where everyone's off work, out of school, but you're stuck inside <laughs> and you can't do anything. It's like you forget what day it is. Like I forgot what day it was three times last week. And it's just like, I, you know, that one of those type of things. And so, but I know for somebody like Stu, it's like, you know, you're in a foreign country. I know, it's a place that you live though, right? So, I mean, you've been there. It's not like you're you're stuck in a place that you've never been before. You do, you're familiar with the surroundings, but it's also like... You know, you are and you are. You are a citizen of Israel, are you not? Are you, you're yeah, a, I am. You're an Isra- yep. uh, yeah, right. So yeah. You, you do know the situation and you know the area, but it's also one of these, like, uncertain. You're just stuck. I mean, you're literally, it's what it sounds like. You're just stuck. Yeah, but it makes it, it does make it more comfortable for me to stay here. Uh, you know, I have, mm-hmm. they have universal, universal health care here. I have insurance uh, if I need it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm comfortable with the lay of the land and just being here in general. It's hard to kind of explain that feeling that you get. Yeah. Um, when you're in a new place and you're moving around country to country for some of these guys, you just don't feel at home. So I understand why these guys would leave and and even risk losing some of the uh, back end of their contract payments. Um, so, you know, I'm not I would never say that that's stupid. I mean, a little, it is a little stupid to give us some of that money, but I don't blame <laughs> them at all for leaving. Um, yeah. So it is an advantage I have that I've been here for so long and you can call this place my second home. Yeah, Did I you mean, have? Go ahead, Brandon. Are you, are you like in contact with guys who are in other countries who are feeling like they are kind of stuck? Like I talked to uh, Scotty Reynolds, I guess a week or two ago, and he w- he's in France, and he's played in like twelve different countries. But this is basically his first stint in France, and he's been there like a pretty 
minor amount of time, all things considered, and he's just there, doesn't know what to do. And he's in, in that situation where if he leaves, it's breach of contract, but he also doesn't really, he's just in an apartment by himself, doesn't know anybody on the team, doesn't know anybody there, yeah. and he's just sitting there waiting. And he's got a daughter in New York. It's rough. I mean, it is, even without this whole situation, it is the, I think the number one reason guys succeed overseas is that they just stick with it. And this mm-hmm. is a special situation, obviously. It's a little more dire than, than most, uh, for sure. But, you know, if you could stick through a situation like this, um, that sort of mentality goes a long way over here. Uh, you, so I feel for Scotty. It, it's tough. Um, you, you almost, sometimes you're almost feeling like you're just withering away in your apartment. Like, it'll be like mm-hmm. 3.30 in the afternoon, and you're like, what, what the? You know, like, lose kind of where you're at. And, like, you feel a little aimless, and it can kind of go in and out. So it's... Yeah, it, it definitely makes you realize uh, how important human connection is. That is for damn sure. Hmm. Are you are you are you the only one, um, only U.S. born guy that stayed, Stu, on your team, or is there others? That, There's one uh, other guy. He's married to an yeah. uh, American Israeli okay. woman that she actually lives here and works here. So that's the only reason that she's still here. But I would say the majority of the league left for hmm. most of the teams. Some teams um, gave their players permission. Uh, Coincidentally enough, the two top teams in the league, because they know how to yeah. treat players right and do things right, and they don't, <laughs> right. and they don't right. have to necessarily save all their money. So, yeah, it's kind of a mix. But yeah, there, I mean, there's only I think a, I'm not really sure how many other guys are left. I, I know yeah. there's a couple other guys that mm-hmm. stayed uh, that are actually clients of my agent, but they got permission from their team to leave. So I might be one of the only ones now sticking around. We'll, I don't know. Did. You- and you knew, I assume, right away when, when sort of this started to happen that, you know, I have to make sure that I protect my money here. I mean, that was something you've been there long enough to know, I assume. That was yeah, part of your instinct. I mean, we had that meeting face to face and they told us and you get lulled into that trust and you're like, OK, well, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm probably going to go home. I'm going to try and look for a flight. Then your agent hits you up and he's a little more pragmatic and, you know, he wasn't yeah. there. Uh so he's like, wait, wait a second. You know, you need written permission, and then that, you know, right. that, that hits you, and, and it's tough to kind of swallow. You, I was going back and forth for like three days, or whether I wanted to leave or, or stay. And uh, but yeah, this was I knew this was the right decision. It's just it's hard emotionally yeah, to yeah. overcome that. Yeah, I think Brendan Stu's story tops Terry Mills's uh, overseas story. Remember when we had Terry on? Stu, we had oh, we had how could I forget? We had Terry. We had we, so so I don't even know if you knew this, Stu. So we had Terry on Terry Mills on like in December, okay? And Terry, you know, when when he when he graduated from Michigan, went to the NBA. In between his senior year and the start of his NBA career, he went to Greece and played in Greece for like I don't know, like what was it, three months, something like that, a month, well, if that, know. yeah, if that. So Terry, at one point, he goes out there for a game and he's on the phone with his agent in the locker room and he's like, I haven't gotten paid yet. I got to get paid or I'm not playing in this game, right? So so he does the whole thing, the whole song and dance. He gets dressed, goes out to the court. Before he goes out to the court, gets one more call from the agent. It was like, get out of here. You're not getting paid. So he's like, tells the coach, all right, I'm leaving. And he goes, what about your clothes and all your stuff? He goes, you keep it. And he just gets up and goes home. So let the record show that Stu has more uh, mental discipline uh, in these situations maybe than Terry did. But Terry was was making big money when he came home anyway. He got drafted already. So it doesn't matter. That's interesting. I've never even heard of a story but a shared, like yeah. that before. That's, that's something new. Yeah. I, you know, every year I feel like I hear some story, and I think I've heard it all, but that's definitely new. Just to give people kind of a uh, uh, an idea of the level of competition and stuff like that, like who are guys that you've kind of come across that, that, that we would know um, in your international experience? So it all kind of varies whether your team plays – your team obviously plays in your domestic league. And then some of these teams, we've got about four or five that play internationally as well. So you have the top team here, Maccabi Tel Aviv. I mean, they've had so many names that people would know. But this year, you know, they have Scotty Wilbekin, Tark Black, uh, who else? A couple other guys, you know, some college guys that you would know. But those are like the pro guys, mm-hmm. Phil Hunter. They have Omri Caspi mm-hmm. came back. Um, Amari Stoudemire signed there in the middle of the year. Hmm. So... Mm-hmm. There's some guys I play with Elijah Johnson. You guys would know that name from Kansas. Yeah. Um, sure. uh, Michigan guy Paul Stoll. You guys would know him. But th- there's quite a few names that come in and out. Um, guys love Israel. They really like Israel. It's Americanized. Uh, 
the nightlife is fantastic. Tel Aviv is a lot of fun. So you get a lot of, a lot of guys that come back. Um, and even though it's, I would say it's around anywhere from like the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th kind of domestic league in the world, uh, you can get a lot of top talent just because of the lifestyle here. So it definitely it can make it more competitive, even though the pay isn't quite as high as, let's say, like a Russia because, you know, we don't have too many oligarchs funding our team. So... <laughs> Which is a plus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many, Stu? How many years have you been uh, overseas now? And like, how Eight. many places have you been overall? Eight years. Yeah, my first year and was you've in been Spain. In Israel. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. right. And then I've been uh, here ever since. And you've been in Israel ever since. What's um? If you had to describe just in general terms, sort of what that, what the life of someone like you is like what I mean because you just said it earlier like the people who succeed overseas are the ones who stick with it and stick it out and just you know sort of make it part of their normal life um what is it what has it been like I mean you know all the way back from when you were 21 22 whatever and you said I'm gonna do this this is what I'm gonna do and you know here we are almost a decade later you're still doing it you have to basically throw out any sort of expectations that you have any dreams that you might be conjuring up before you get over here you kind of have to Mm -hmm. put those on the back burner and just kind of take it day by day i mean i've seen a lot of talented guys come in and survive maybe a month or two um and it's it's ironic the the guys who think they're the closest to playing in the nba have the absolute toughest time over here and (laughs) i've seen guys just go down in, in flames because of that and so it's yeah. a mental approach as much as anything skill-wise. Um, you know, part of it is finding the right team, finding the right fit. Um, that can vary from country to country, coach to coach. But, yeah, the mental aspect of it, uh, are you, do you get homesick easy? Do you have someone here? Um, you know, do you deal well with playing 20 minutes when you're used to 35 before? So there's so many different things that you just have to adjust to. You have to just wipe the slate clean of what you thought basketball was at times. Not always. It's not always the case. And the game's changing a little bit over here. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it can be very interesting. I see that it's just every year and it never fails. Chris Burgess was telling me, and he played like 15 or 16 years overseas. If you remember, Chris Burgess played at Duke, played at Utah. Um, he At one point, he was the number one ranked recruit in mm-hmm. his class, like 96 or whatever it would have been. He was a huge guy who should have been in the NBA or everyone thought he was going to be. But he ended up playing 16 years in overseas, and he embraced it all. And one of the things he talked about was this idea that, you know, so many of these leagues, you're only allowed to have two is it two international players or two American players? They've that that used to be uh, okay. More the rule. That's been completely relaxed. Um, and gotcha. Because it was it's it, it's this idea though that you know you're the investment of the team and you're kind of this outside commodity. There's just a very di- you're not yeah. treated like everyone else on the team. Yes. You live under completely different expectations solely because you're an American basketball player. And once you get that like figured out. He, he just talked about it does kind of not make it easier, but you have a greater understanding of the situation you're in. 100%. Uh, that was definitely more highlighted back then when those rules were uh, a little more strict in terms of how many foreigners you could have. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, let's say, let's take this team here, Hapol uh, Jerusalem here. Um, they play maybe like three Israelis, and then they play in this international competition where they'll play five Americans at the same time. And, you, and in EuroLeague, mm-hmm. you can definitely do that. Um, it doesn't happen a lot. I mean, there's definitely not many EuroLeague teams just play five foreigners all the time because sure. there's so many good European players, international players. But So that's definitely been relaxed. But there is it, it is a mentality that some guys have to get adjusted to. There's a little bit different pressure. Um, Say you're an American point guard and you're the basically only point guard on the team and the way they've structured it is the Israeli guys here are either big guys that they try to sign or maybe like one wing and you're the only point guard, like real natural point guard on the team. So there's definitely a little more pressure from that standpoint or you could be about the only viable good big man. So it can kind of vary from team to team, but there's still some of that pressure and I've, and I've seen that throughout the years and how guys adjust to it or don't adjust to it. Um, and I like, you know, even this year, 
I'm talking to some of the foreign guys. Like, man, coach is really getting on my ass about certain things. I'm like, well, yeah, because you are the guy, and and that's just what's gonna happen. <laughs> like, he really doesn't care. Like, he'll get it on your ass about something, but then you can go and chuck up four shots from 25 feet. Like, you still have more freedom than you think. So it's a give and take there with certain things. It's just again about mentality and perspective and how you can just change how you look at it. Yeah. Stu, how, how long do you think it took you to get used to the idea of, you know, I guess living in the moment and understanding that basketball was your job and your job was whatever your job was in front of you? Does that make sense? That it wasn't yeah. like, you, you, like how long, you talked about that wiping the slate clean. How long did it take you? How many years maybe? Or have you, I mean, I assume oh, now you're more comfortable. Yeah, I'm definitely but more comfortable Is it now. still a process even? But yeah, yeah, just, yeah, I mean, it could be a day-to-day battle. Honestly, it just depends on the yeah. season going. We had a tough year this year, was not playing as well as I wanted to. And so I had that internal struggle of how I wanted things to be and how they were, and they weren't really coming together uh, into the same picture like I wanted them to. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really varies every year because you can get a mixed bag. I mean, you can get a coach who's going to play you 25 minutes no matter what or somebody who's even if you're playing well you're playing eight minutes so Mm. you know I realized early on that I had to adjust but then when you get in that moment and you get pulled out after two minutes because of maybe one slight mistake you know you have to really remind yourself of it and be conscious of it so you know subconsciously it can be very difficult so it's a it's an ongoing battle yeah, because it's so it's so interesting. You said that earlier about the the wiping the slate. Because when you're in college, uh, there's a lot of players in college, and most of them, I would say, you're in college, you're playing at a high level, you're starting, you're thinking about your future in the game, and your future in the game is the NBA in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody goes through that. And then when you so when you're in Europe or you're in Israel or wherever you are, um, and you're doing that, and like you said, you have to force yourself to. It sounds like sort of live in in, in the day to day moment situation, and that's just doesn't seem like we see that very often from from college kids and it's i don't blame them it's impossible yeah. but it's also like becoming a you know becoming an adult i guess i mean everything is so so much more organized uh, especially in college especially compared mm-hmm. to here but yeah you know college you know exactly oh God, yeah. you know i knew exactly what beeline wanted you knew exactly what you needed to do to get on the court if you weren't getting time or to stay on the court if you were or you know you knew everything down to how you pivoted mm-hmm. with the ball in your hands, especially with beeline. So, yeah. you know, that direction is a little more easy to navigate in terms of just knowing or not knowing. Sometimes here, like, I mean, I've played, like last year I was shooting in the second half of the season, I'd like, like over 50% from three for the second half of the year. And I mm. still could barely get time. You know, I can only get time if I went in the game and hit like a couple of threes. And yeah. it was at times extremely frustrating, but eventually I learned how to deal with it. So, yeah, it's uh, the not knowing can be very tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the I, the experience that I have or has been relayed to me that I've always found interesting is you have to decide what you're playing for. Because when you're in college, you're playing to get to the NBA. When you're in high school, you're playing to get to college. You know, unless you're someone who's maybe been on a two-way deal or something like that, has gotten a taste of the league, you know, okay, you're playing to get, you, you might go over to Europe to get back to the NBA. But if you're just going overseas to go overseas, you got to decide what you're playing for. Because you're technically playing for a championship that you might not really care about, right? It's something right. Like a league you've never heard of, teams you've never heard of. You're just playing to play and make money. Um, or are you playing to set down roots? You know, you got to decide what your kind of agenda is. And that's, that has to be a hard thing to navigate, especially when you're 25, you know, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's, <laughs> what was there's that? Like, what was that like for you? Do you guys know what the, <laughs> they have obviously the league championships here, but you guys know, like in soccer, where like they have the cup championship. Yeah. Yeah. So they have that here yeah. in basketball too. I still don't give a shit about it. I, I really don't care about it at all. <laughs> But, you know, they, they, they'll put bonuses in our contract if you get to the championship game or win it. I've never, we have never been on a team that's done that. But, um, yeah, it's interesting that you asked about that because I was just this year really going through the mental part of all of that. And, like, what I dreamt about as a kid of playing basketball, and it was always play pro basketball, pro basketball. Yeah, it was the NBA, but, like, I wanted to make this my, my living. 
And mm -hmm. my career has not gone as I've wanted it to. You know, I've never averaged like 20 points a game. And as a kid, that's what you, you dream about. I've never been like the guy. And every year, like, I, you know, I talked about earlier, you have to accept those things. But still deep down like that, the kid in me uh, dies a little bit, you know, because because <laughs> you're not yeah. you're not you're not accomplishing the dreams that you I've had since I was six years old playing on my little tight school. So mm -hmm. I've had to just kind of realize like, what is my dream of basketball? And then I realized this year that like, I already won. Like I already accomplished my goals. This is my eighth year playing overseas. I made it my living. And even though I haven't played as well as I wanted to, and that's caused me a lot of stress and anguish, that really doesn't matter because, like you said, you just stick with it. Uh, so it's an ongoing battle, those two worlds kind of colliding <laughs> and which one can uh, take the forefront each day. Um, and if you mm -hmm. get the mindset that I've, that I've won, uh, you could be you know better off for me. And it, I'm 30 now and I'm just now starting to get a grasp on that, which is hilarious. But right. it's you know better late than never. So, it, so it now – it, now at 30, right? This is uh, <laughs> this is when the pendulum swings, brother. It gets harder, Stu. You start to decide, uh, okay, well, you know, uh, the playtime's kind of over, and now I get to figure out what's what's for the next chapter. And uh, wh what are you thinking? You know, is basketball, I imagine, will be a part of your life one way or another, regardless how long you want to keep playing overseas. You know, what, what are you kind of thinking long term for yourself? Yeah, it kind of depends. Did you uh, know this was going to get this deep, by the way? No, I didn't. I didn't. I appreciate it. I love these conversations. Usually it's just me and my mom talking. We got nothing but time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I thought about that obviously more. I have to think about it more now. And, you know, every day that uh, my knee starts hurting a little more, I start thinking about that a little more. So, yeah, you know, I've gone back and forth with, coaching i don't really think i want to do that um hmm. my mom is begging me to do that and and just coach for <laughs> butler at, for laval uh she's just, she's really hoping that happens but i don't know i thought about basketball yeah, right. i thought about just the sports world uh, you know with, with what you guys do and just talking about it i love to share my opinions and you know hear myself talk at times so and then i thought about you know real estate like you know i have some money trying to just save up mm. as much money as i possibly can and um you know have my money make money and figure out a way to do that uh because this lifestyle is pretty lazy and it's going to be hard for me to adjust to anything other than that so we'll see we'll see ultimately that's the goal is for my money to make some money and kind of go from there and live off that but uh that's I don't want to say it's a pipe dream, but we'll see. Sure. I don't know. But at the but at the same time, though, I mean, you've you've made it eight years. You're going to want to ride this out until you can't until the wheels go off, right? I mean, oh, you're going to play sure. basketball until you can't physically stand up and do it. <laughs> for right? sure. I mean, that's as far that's as, what you're right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, I'll play in the second division yeah. here. I don't really care. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm comfortable here, and you pay me enough money, and I'll come over here and play mm -hmm. wherever. I played in BFE Israel, basically. I was like. <laughs> Worse than what I grew up in, the cornfields of Indiana, like way out there. So I'm used to it. I, I can I can go a year with that stuff. I don't really care. I feel like everyone would just assume that you want to coach, and you sounded like it's not yeah. your first instinct. Why is that? I don't know. It college coaching, the whole recruiting thing. I just <laughs> it's hard, man. It's fake. It's sales, which I don't do. It's I don't know. I just don't know how to do that. And like, I'm going to tell some kid that he's not as good and like lose him and yeah, be too right. honest. And I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, if I could just do the basketball part and like, you know, managing of players um, and stuff like that, that, that part interests me. But there's a whole, there's so many different parts to college basketball that I just, it's hard to get behind, honestly. Have you thought about being like an agent or a scout or something like that? A scout travels a ton, but I mean, like, have you thought about anything like that? I've thought about it. it some front office yeah. stuff. There's a, a small mm -hmm. part of me that hopes uh, Josh Barrow's team gets a major <laughs> position in a front office somewhere and that I can go work for him. Uh, right. Still hold out hope on that. So if I can wait this out a few more years, I feel like he's going to start, 
you know. Josh is doing okay, by yeah, the way. You know that. So maybe. I talked to him this that past might summer. Be not and, far and off, he yeah. seems like he's got things uh, pretty under control there with uh, <laughs> with Arn in mm-hmm. uh, Detroit. So things are looking good for me right now. Let's say that. He doesn't yeah. know that, but that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to take some time here today, too, to talk about some, uh, some maybe some stranger stories that you've seen or some experiences you've had. You mentioned earlier you know, playing in the middle of nowhere, but you know, it's for a guy from Indiana, that's not nothing. But I mean, what are some of those memories that you've had that you tell people that are like, well, I'm sorry, what, what happened there? You know, like, <laughs> do you have any of those like on the tip of your tongue there? There's one in particular, uh, this was, I don't know, four years ago. Oh no. Oh no. Five years ago, six years ago. Jeez. Anyways, we were playing in this international, <laughs> there it is. In this international competition, uh, with an Israeli team here. Mm-hmm. And we went to, I believe it was Montenegro, and we had this game in this gym. It was the middle of January, I believe. Um, and I don't know, it had to be below freezing temperatures, like maybe in the mid-20s. And this place had no heating. They had the doors open. We went to shoot around the day before, and it's we had to wear like, coats to do practice, full pants, everything. You could see your breath. Yeah. During shoot around. So the next day we're like, maybe it'll be warmer. Nope, it was just as cold. We get into the locker room and it is like connected to this bathroom. It's one of those bathrooms with just the holes in the floor, you know, and those like foot yeah. kind of placements. And yeah. it smelled so bad, I cannot explain to you. It's the worst bathroom smell I've ever had in my entire life. Well, it was so cold in there, we had to put a one of those uh, space heaters, right? So a space heater, mm-hmm. and it, the back of it was towards the door, and but very mm-hmm. close to the smell. So it was just taking that hot, <laughs> that bathroom smell, and just spraying it hot into our faces. So it was horrible. So even though it was warm in there, you couldn't stay in there. So you had to go out to the court, right. just try and keep yourself warm there. Um, eventually, in the middle of the game, you know things were pretty normal, and then all of a sudden, some guy just collapses. Uh, in the stands and so we're like kind of playing there's like this hush over the crowd and we're a little confused of what's going on and people are waving at the EMTs to come over Uh, we continue to keep playing the game none of the fans are looking at the game they're just looking at this guy about 30 rows up collapsed on the Mm. the, uh, the stands so we're playing play kind of stops they just starting to get a stretcher towards you know through the court and up to the stands. Well, there's no like right way. There's no stairs. They have to just go through people <laughs> in the seats all the way up. Well, we resume play while this is happening. I mean, the, the, the oh. pressure is going <laughs> through the crowd and we resume play. All of a sudden, they just start booing. The fans are booing. They start oh, yeah. throwing yeah. everything on the court. Pens. It was a lot of pens. I don't know why they were carrying so many yeah. pens. <laughs> to be honest, it's very strange. A lot of pens. Booing, so they finally stopped the game again, and uh-huh. we had to wait about 10 minutes, I think, uh, which seemed like an eternity until they got this guy out. Um, but in the middle of it, we're sitting there, and the, the fans start chanting something. They're chanting something. We don't really know mm-hmm. what they're chanting. And one of our teammates is a Serbian guy. And so mm-hmm. he speaks. Um, he knows exactly what they're saying. So he, he kind of taps me on the shoulder, and he's like, uh, hey, you know, uh, you know what they're saying? And I was like, no, I have no idea. He's like, they're they're screaming Auschwitz, and it was like, oh, uh, <laughs> with a bunch of Israeli Jews on our team, that's not very good. I was like, well, I hope yeah. we just get this game over with and get the hell out of here quick. Holy shit! So we that game actually ends up going into overtime. So we went there. We <laughs> yeah. we were there a little. Of course, too, it did. Uh, a little yeah. too. Uh, too long for than what we wanted, but we—I'm not sure what happened. I, I we really thought that guy died. I don't think he did, but uh, like mm. we thought in the middle of it, we were witnessing a guy die, and then we were just going to play a game of basketball while the fans chanted anti-Semitic mm. stuff at us. So that was uh, memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that's. I mean, those are like I think I think about this when I think about like Stu, right? So he's over. He's overseas. He's playing in in different areas. 
And there's got to be moments where you're like, all right, that's it. I've had it. i got to get out of here. Like, I've had it. I'm done. Because <laughs> I know from, like, Brendan and I have a, uh, have experiences in our lives nowhere near as extreme as you, of course. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we leave college. We're going to be sports writers. We go and we have to move away from home and live places where we don't know anybody. And it's like, you know, it's 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 like a bi-weekly thing. We're like, that's it. I quit. I'm done. I'm going home. And, like, I'm going to go work at, like, Home Depot or something. Right. <laughs> and, like, I remember telling myself that, like, probably every day from the age of 22 to 27 or something. <laughs> But for you, there has to have been, like, count, I mean, endless moments, you know, especially in your early, mid-20s, oh, yeah. maybe even, where you're like, that's enough. Like, I've had it. Like, I'm done. That's that's too much. One in particular was my second year here. I had to go play in the second division because um, my first year didn't go very well. So I went to play the second division for very little money. And I get to this town. It's BFE Israel. And I get to my apartment, and it's, I don't know, basically 20 feet by 10 feet and (laughs) then there's like a bedroom and like this horrible bathroom uh half bath thing in my bedroom i don't know it was like five feet by seven feet or something and basically not great heating in there it gets very cold it was in the north it was like december and it, it was it rains a bunch here in the winter so it was renting a bunch, and there was apparently my window was broken. So there's, there was a lot of moisture that would come through my apartment, and there was no way to get it ventilated out. And ended up having my wooden bed frame just completely covered in mold. I mean, the whole bottom oh. of it, just absolute mold. Yeah. I think it was like making us sick. And I had to get gloves. I had to get a mask. I had to get you know, the bleach solution. And I was spending like an hour just cleaning this wooden bed frame full of mold because the team wouldn't help me do it. So I did it on my own. Right. And right. I was like, if I can survive this, I can get through absolutely anything. There you go. And luckily, <laughs> no year has been that bad. So I just always yeah. think back to that. Uh, I had no oven. I had like one little stuff. It was just really bad. It was a bad year, mm. but I made it through it. Actually, the basketball was uh, fun that year. So it's interesting yeah. again keeping your perspective and what yeah. you can get through. Yeah. Have you uh, have you made like friends with international guys that you think that this will be like? How much different is it teammate wise from your your you know your college guys right? Who I'm sure you're still in contact with guys probably have text chains going and all that stuff. Like, do you is there a any like a familial sense at all when Some when you're on teams do. like like I'm this? Not, I'm not quite of that personality type. Um, and you just move around so much. I mean, I, I made right. really good friends with a guy one year, uh, Michigan kid, Kalamazoo kid, Devin Oliver, he played at Dayton. Made really good friends with him. And then January, the team decides to cut him. And I had never hung out with somebody like that before at, that much. Uh, and then I was like, okay, the, why, I should not be doing this because that, that was too painful. He's still a good buddy, but you know, yeah. I'm never going to see him again. Really, I'm not going to play with him mm-hmm. again. Right. And even for the Israeli guys, there's a lot of Israeli guys I love, a lot of Israeli friends that I have, but um, you can be really good friends with a guy for about nine months. And even though he, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, Israeli guys, live like they live like 40 minutes north of me, when, when are you going to see them? You just don't really have time to see them. I'm not driving mm-hmm. up once a week to go see them in Israel or in Tel Aviv. So, it's tough. It's tough. Even for the friends you make here that live here, it could be tough. So, yeah, you, you need some of that team bonding. But I think uh, subconsciously I kind of keep my uh, little bit of arm's length to yeah. kind of avoid some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Where, uh, what else you got there, Brennan? Oh, well, I mean, if we want to switch right. gears a little bit here, it's, uh, you know, it's March 31st. In a, it is. I should be on a plane going to Atlanta. Uh, in a basketballless just, world. Yeah. <sighs> crazy um for for you when you kind of look at what's happening right now um this the disruption to the game both college nba all of this um what's kind of your do you think there will be like potential structural changes to um what we think of in terms of of the nba Mm -hmm. the offseason the calendar all this stuff um, or do you think they all, everyone's instinct will be to just try to, as much as possible, get through this and then kind of force everything back to the way that we've known it to be for forever? 
if I know anything about America, they, uh, it's more likely to be forced back into what it was. Uh, um, luckily, <laughs> instead of using soon as this possible. as an opportunity, yeah, exactly. right. okay. yeah. as, as soon as humanly possible. Uh-huh, right. Exactly. Now, Adam Silver, I think, is the guy uh, out of anybody mm-hmm. to make those structural changes. And I haven't yep. really read what he said. I think I've heard some read some headlines that he's hinted at it. Um, part of me does wish for it. I mean, I don't, I don't see why not take advantage of the summer. It'll right. throw off some stuff with college basketball and making that transition and whatever. I, you can get through that. I think uh, it would be a lot of fun, though, to have basketball during the summer because summers are just so boring. I mean, I can vividly remember the times when I'm watching SportsCenter as a 10-year-old, and I'm like, oh, my God, baseball highlight number seven in a row. Like, please stop it. And then you're like, right, I'm just going to go outside. That was, so yeah. I think it would be a lot of fun uh, for some structural changes, just kind of mix it up, if anything. What else would you like to see? I mean, you said earlier that the game was changing a little bit overseas. What is the game like? What is the game like there compared to what we see here? What would you say? Uh, best description for somebody who maybe is on the lower level thinking of basketball technology, everything else. Here, skills, you, or get, whatever. Yeah. you just get um, more, I'd say, like James Harden's. You get guys who get a little more leeway oh, okay. with their talent. Um I think before there was probably a bunch of Serbian coaches and it was like my way or the highway type of college situation. But now more than ever, you get guys that are like, all right, we're, we're paying you a bunch of money because you can play one-on-one really, really well. So you're mm-hmm. going to do that. And it, so some of that's changed stylistically, but it's still a ball screen world. The basketball is a completely yeah. a ball screen world. And and getting mismatches, those are the that's the name of the game, really, um, on both ends, defensively and offensively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not too too different. Uh, if anything, it's just a little less organized. Euroleague is is organized and solid, yeah. but you know, like my league is completely disorganized. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it just kind of varies. But yeah, it's not too different. It's not too different. Yeah. What changes would you like to see to the? college game whether it's the name and likeless stuff pay for play um recruiting changes if if i'm making you commissioner for a day what 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 do you want to implement right now in this kind of window of of opportunity for change i mean right off the bat just name and likeness it just it makes zero sense it affects nobody it nobody has to change the way they operate the schools don't have to change the way they do their Odd accounting, um, <laughs> to say the least. Odd right. accounting. Yes. Yeah. That. Uh, yeah. that part, I, 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 that part seems utterly illegal. To be honest with you, I'm 18 yeah. years old and yeah. I don't have control over my image. Like I just signed that away. I don't know how that's not. I feel like that could be yeah, unconstitutional. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like that could go. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you would rule against that if somebody really to take that that position and take it up. I mean, maybe they're working on it. Maybe it's it's probably way more difficult than I'm making it out to be. But that's one thing I would it's do been, immediately. It's been such a topic in the last handful of years. Um, but I feel like it was a topic. It's been a topic for a long time. Did you guys talk about that when you were in school at all? Much because social media was starting to really bubble right around the time you guys were finishing up especially did you guys because i when i think of name image and likeness and Stu, you'll appreciate this i think of denard robinson sitting at a table at like the briarwood mall in ann arbor <laughs> with a line out the door and him making like 10 grand on a wednesday yeah. if he felt like josh Barnes that's what i think of money off autographs yeah right, after he was <laughs> right. And, yeah and, and josh sold a bunch of books yeah. and everything else like like these like so were you guys talking about that sort of thing back then um no even because though, you know i wish we would it's a little early maybe. i wish it yeah, would have been right. it wasn't that as much talked about um but nobody gets a hold of college players the first thing they get a hold of you about is like controlling what you say and mm-hmm. you know how you how you represent yourself and stuff like that it has nothing to do with anything business wise they make everything seem like it's not a, a business when it is um right but I remember specifically the one time like we did kind of think about it, uh, Patrick Beeline was telling me about a commercial he did after him and Gansey graduated for like a 
car dealership and how they made like a good chunk of change for like one day at work. Okay. And I was yeah. like, what the hell? I was like, me and Novak could do that. No problem. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't like have been a, a you could get like yeah. 5K for like a day's work for like some dumb yeah. car dealership. I don't know. Just yeah. it's so easy. And I was like, man, that would be really nice. I mean, I could go throw down at Steve's yeah. like no problem after that. <laughs> but I've always, I've told guys that like, you should just make up for lost earnings. Guys like who are kind of beloved in that way. Guys, you, I've said this to Spike before. I'm like, dude, you need to come back. Just give your name to a local Toyota dealer. Yeah. Spike Albrecht Toyota in Ann Arbor. And I was like, just make bank. You don't need to do shit. Just put year, your name on the building. Sure. Yeah, I mean, even if it doesn't last that long, you could get something out of it. I mean, Zach and I were like, we should open a bar. Like immediately, yeah. that time passed, but we didn't have the money. But yeah. That was like our thoughts for sure. But uh, yeah, that time passes you by yeah. quick, which is it's it's just sad yeah, that's the window. That four years is such yeah. a great opportunity to make money and, yeah. and provide mm-hmm. for you and your family and for your future. And you just you just that it's just ripped away from you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Nick's about, got the landline that, in the newsroom. No, it's like ring. it's an office phone that keep, won't shut up. Sorry about that. Uh, but it's that window, right? It's like you you have you have like three or four years where you are, and even like I think of it like this sometimes, where we see with football these freshmen sign these five star recruits or something they sign, and they're huge deals yeah. when they get to campus. Like they get to campus in Michigan football, they used to have the thing where they would do the. Guys go on the field and they do like the uh, the autograph day or whatever, and they'd have like and the lines would always be for like the freshmen. And I'm like, yeah. this kid is 18 years old. He's a five star, whatever. He's coming here from wherever it is, and he may never be this popular again for the rest of his life. But today he is, and he's leaving like nine thousand dollars on the table. Not even That's the, how I've always thought about it. Yeah, yeah not even for the five star kid. I mean, any Michigan football yeah. recruit. Right. They came in. I remember our freshman year. A lot of them just thought they were just. The bee's knees. Right. And they, yeah. I mean, a couple of them actually thought Zach and I were walk-ons. Like, they, yeah. they, they knew they were big time even before they stepped on campus. And then some of yeah. them never even played a, a down. And, you right. know, they could have made money in that time just because they were yes. football players at a school like Michigan. And it's, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate just to take that away. I mean... Yeah, now now you're making me angry, Nick. Now I'm thinking about oh, Yeah, right. Well, that's that's been that's been going on for a long time. Yeah, no, I would say. Cuz the other one it's interesting, yeah. The other one's Mitch, who after that final four if he had come back yeah. and said I'm staying in school and just used that whole summer to make money. I mean, it just would have been mm-hmm. making it hands over fist, which is crazy. Ridiculous. Just crazy. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then people wonder why guys leave for Right. Not, yeah. For non-guaranteed contracts even. But right. it's all control. I mean, you use the word. It is. It's keeping everyone under your thumb, and that's really what it boils down to. And I, and I, like on some hand, you know, I talk to coaches who are like, "Look, there's when you get into name and likeness stuff, and you get into guys kind of being their own entities, you are going to lose um, team camaraderie. A lot of stuff that like people talk about why college sports is great and why we do love it. They're like, you, yeah. you know, you risk giving that away. And I'm like, well. I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, right is right. Exactly. And like, you just can't, you can't let people not make money. It's crazy. I mean, we're a country with, we think we have such a strong justice system and and like moral grounds. And then we just let that happen. It's, it's kind of bonkers. I I don't think people quite understand uh, a day in the life of some of these athletes and, what they go through. Um, I mean, how can you? You, you, you just, I you don't can't. understand yeah. what you guys go through in your daily life. So you're just right. not going to know what the next person goes through. So, you know, part of it makes sense, but part of it is depressing at times. Uh, yeah, that is it sure. is. Yeah. Well, if we want to talk any Michigan stuff. I mean, we've talked like every Michigan story with Stu in the history of time. Is there any? Is there any that we? Yeah. Don't is it know is it ever annoying Stu? that you're like used as like, the spokesman of an entire era of? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I can take it. I can take it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind the attention. Well, like we, t- well, like Novak will talk a little bit, but uh, it's either Zach or Stu. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. But is Zach any, is a little. Stu, he's is not as any... active on social media, so it isn't like you know he's not putting his face. Yeah, out he's there, not. So. He's like he's like disappeared. And you mentioned it earlier, like uh, you were like you survive overseas by being able to bunker down and, and hang in. Novak played overseas for like what a year. 
and was like, I'm good. I'm out of here. I'm done with this. Oh, yeah. Like, he was just like, and he was gone. Oh, yeah. And he and now he's doing well or whatever. But like, yeah. It's, he just he wanted to kind of extend like, the party life. I mean, do, yeah. do you guys right. ever hear about his story in the like Final Four in 2013 and how he was there? Do you guys remember he was there? I remember him. Uh, I've remember heard something about this. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> I don't, left. I don't know. He left yeah. in the middle of their season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He told the yeah. coach. He tried to get permission to go. And because yes. I think it was in New Orleans, right? I'm like, Zach's not going to miss that opportunity. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. Zach's not yeah. going to miss that opportunity yeah. for that, you know, that kind of party, that kind of opportunity where, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're still popular and he can go. Yeah. He got on TV and it was a big deal for, you yeah. know, for Beeline and for the yeah. school. And I think he asked permission. They said no. And then he just told the coach, like, I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go and, like, if you want me to come back, I'll come back. But like, if you don't want me to, then I'll just stay home. And they were yeah. so desperate. Like, he just put him in a corner because he really didn't care. He was, he knew he was done after that year, anyways. It was just the most boss move I think yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> just a power play. And they were like, okay, fine, go party and then come back. But they said you can't do any like TV interviews or radio interviews. And of course he still did yeah. like a radio interview or something and got yeah. away with it. it it's, it's just <laughs> typical Novak stuff. You'll, it's hilarious. Stu, you'll appreciate this Stu. This, this happened last spring in Anaheim and actually it was Beeline's last game at Michigan. It turned out to be his last game. So this is kind of fitting, right? Mm-hmm. They're playing, uh, was it Texas tech who, who ended up just routing them and ended up going to the championship. Oh game. shit. This is and, the story I was thinking of when yeah, I said, I've heard this. So, this is it, Nick. I got you. Yeah. And so Texas tech, <laughs> Is you know, and I I don't remember if you watched that game or not, but Texas Tech is like squeezing the life out of Michigan. You know, they can't score, they can't get anything going. It's it's falling apart pretty quickly. And I'm writing or whatever, and I look up and I hear this guy with this accent that I that I recognize, and I hear, "Oh, that is bullshit!" Just screaming across the court in the whatever that Anaheim Arena is. That it's like twenty thousand seat arena, and I hear this guy screaming, and I'm like, "What is this?" And I look over, and it's and it's Novak, and he's standing. You know, seven rows back of the bench, just livid and screaming. And then we saw him after the game, and he'd had he'd had a few Budweisers or whatever it was. <laughs> but I, mean, like, but I, I thought about it after, and I was like, this is this is when when Beeline was done when he when he left. I was like, this is perfect. Like his last game, uh, they lose, of course, whatever. So maybe that's not perfect for him. Yeah. But like Novak is standing right behind him, just bellowing. Like it, I could hear him across the court with twenty thousand people, and it was like this is incredible. This is like perfect Novak and Beeline right in the, mo- right in the oh, same yeah. moment. Yeah. When Zach, when Zach has your back, he has your back. It, it does not forever. Matter. Yeah, it does not yeah. matter. So that doesn't right. surprise yeah. me at all. I've not heard that story. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that was great. What was everyone's gonna? I mean, everyone basically has to comment on this. Who played for John? What was your uh, reaction to how oh, things yeah. kind of ended? I did not think they would end that early. I thought five years was, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a bit of a pipe dream. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense. He's a competitive guy. And once I thought about it, I was like, yeah, he needed that challenge. Like he, he he's not gonna go out retire being like well maybe i could have done it he was gonna try mm-hmm. so i'm glad he mm-hmm. did i hope he can hang his hat on his accomplishments and not have this leave a too bit of a sour taste in his mouth but i mean just the whole difference massive difference between coaching in college versus coaching in the nba was a huge hurdle let alone you're coaching for cleveland right. and the players that you have um, mm. I just thought it was just a bad mix from the start. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I, I think I talked to you actually right around that time, and I remember you saying like it's going to be interesting to see what it's like. Maybe we talked about it like hypothetically once, where it was like, what if he ever goes see NBA? And it was like it's going to be. And I remember Stu saying like it's going to depend on the roster that he has. I mean, it's really going to depend on the people around him and and how it fits because like you I mean you know him, you played for him, and there's going to be friction that maybe is too tough to overcome. And uh, I mean, all other factors included, it's like, well, yeah, there was a lot going on there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that you overlook or you have to overlook when he's your college coach because he has that mm-hmm. much control. Uh, you know, certain types of drills, uh, how much you practice, how much film you watch, how, what he names certain things that, you yeah. know, the NBA has their own <laughs> verbiage and mm-hmm. uh, vocabulary. And he has, uh, obviously has very unique vocabulary for things and like 
we thought it was weird, but like we had to accept it. Nobody, I, we, everyone knew they, the NBA guys weren't going to accept it. So there's all sorts of little things that kind of add up. Um, yeah, it was worrisome for sure. It was, you know, but again, Cleveland. Oof. I mean, that was just yeah. That's a rough, rough stuff. Rough stuff. Mm-hmm. For sure. Did, did you follow around along this year watching uh, Juwan and the gang and how much like th- does it still feel like the program you played for? You know what I mean? Like when you have a guy who's so kind of it's like a pillar right that that was it was john's program it wasn't michigan like after a while it went from being michigan basketball to being john's program and now it's different and you know how much yeah watching it how much do you kind of still feel that that it's your place i mean not not much um still a little bit of connection there and i followed them like box scores i don't think i really watched maybe more than five minutes like live stuff um but I'm a bit. I'm a big Xavier Simpson fan, so I really wanted to watch him succeed this year, and I thought he was having a good year. Um, I like the players that they have. I like the players after me, uh, but like that sense of ownership, I never really felt it that much. You know, I'm I'm not going to be the Zach Novak in the stands yelling at the refs during the NCAA tournament game. Uh, Ten years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so it was great. But once everybody leaves, I mean, even when Beeline was there and he was like the only one from my time, it was it, every year that went by, it just makes it a little tougher because uh, it doesn't quite yeah. mm-hmm. feel like home. I guess I still have John Sanderson there and uh, our, uh, our, guy, yeah. our guy Blue, Bob Bland, the, the man. The, the <laughs> Otherwise, you know, there's not, not too much left there. But I, I still. Um, Roof them and always want them to win. Always want them, you know, beat state and, and stuff like that and do well in the tournament. Um, so it was exciting to see the early success they had. It was funny seeing a uh, saw Muhammad was there for senior day this year and was just chatting with him, kind of pregame. We're just bullshitting, you know. And it's just like it's just different when a guy's out of school and you're not covering him anymore and you're just yeah. like, dude, I've known you since you were 17. This is really weird and we're just kind of bullshitting like old guys, you know. And uh, and he just kind of looked around. He's just like. Man, it's weird. It's like it's just different. It's just different to be here, and I, I I feel like the average fans don't really understand that once you do move on, like everyone still thinks of you in your Michigan jersey. And meanwhile, like mm-hmm. that's a long time ago in your personal life. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is. It's just everything changes with with time. And you realize it. it sadly, it can make you realize like just what your value was there and like how that runs hmm. out and it's like this stuff moves on it, it it's mm-hmm. it does not care yeah. that you were done it's moving on and yeah they appreciate yeah. what you did but um yeah it's a it's a tough pill to swallow at times even though you know it's inevitable uh but that definitely makes you disconnect a little bit as well that's for sure it's it's being you, being that guy who's just maybe a little bit too old to be in the bar that you're in yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I went back. Luckily, Scapes was closed. The times I've gone back, there Russell you go. looked real okay. bad for me because I wasn't gonna. Yeah, I can't not go in there. But you know, so it was <laughs> have you have you been back for an actual game? No, I, mean, I haven't been able to do view? any of that. Uh, yeah. I get the emails from Lisa Nicholson yeah. every single year, and I get FOMO, and you know, I see Zach yeah. go to the games. Uh, my mom actually went to a game, was it last year or two years ago, and she was sitting in front of Blake McClyman's, and he had a full goatee. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was a, it was a beautiful picture. So I miss it. I mean, I see some of those guys go back, and I, one of yeah. these days I'll be able to, and it'll be fun, but uh, we'll see. You able to see the uh, the banners and uh, the, n- not the retired Stu Douglas jersey number though. I don't know if that's going on. No, still. not quite. Maybe you I can might have to wait that on that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. All right, you got anything else, Nick? No, we're good. Let's do go get his workout in there. Send him out yeah, though, Brendan. For sure. Yeah. Um, first of all, big shout out to uh, Mike Zimmerman, our editor. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Travis James Humphrey, who is uh, responsible for our intro song. And Stu, anytime we wrap up a podcast and we have a guest, we ask you to uh, to encourage the people and remind them how important it is to tip your bartenders and servers. But under the current circumstances, that's difficult. So are there any establishments in Ann Arbor that you think people should be sure to still maybe grab a takeout order or support? All of them. If you, I mean, anyone that you made a connection to, 
Uh, I think it's extremely important. You have to remember these places are a part of your community and it's a part of your identity, whether you realize it or not. And it's, there are lives at stake, there are livelihoods at stake. Um, people are going to be surprised when these places are closed down, when, when this thing clears up. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to see that, you need to you know, take a, a long look at what you want your community look like when this right. is all over and if you can donate and give back uh please do because any sense of normalcy we can get after this i think will be very important so i implore a lot of people if, if you can please do well said well yeah. said well we appreciate it Stu. thanks to uh to you for joining us and thanks to everyone for listening folks see you next week